Hey guys, welcome back to Let's Talk Movies. I'm Brad. I'm Miguel, guys. And this is episode 20 of our show. We're talking The Falcon and the Winter Soldier. should be saying captain america and the winter soldier because well really captain america and the white wolf because mm. that's where we're at now i, I don't really know uh, yeah we i guess we kind of are i mean his name oh, wolf hasn't been like settled yet you know what I yeah mean? I, I and we can talk about this further too i i'm i'm curious to see how uh how he evolves even from this show um yeah but guys thank you so much for tuning in um this is our spoiler review of the Falcon and the Winter Soldier, um, and we're also going to throw in some uh, some Loki predictions in there too, since mm. we have to wait like five more weeks, four or five more weeks, I think, for Loki. Um, yeah. Whereas there were only what like two weeks in between WandaVision and the Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Yeah, which I mean, they already laid down the schedule for when these yeah. things are going to drop. But isn't there like a, a behind the scenes kind of thing? Yeah, the th- there's Assembled. I haven't watched it yet, um, but there's that that show Assembled on uh, on Disney Plus. It's all of the behind the scenes stuff of Falcon and the Winter Soldier and WandaVision. And I think they're going to do one for every single show, so mm. that'll be that'll be kind of interesting and cool to watch. But how you doing, oh, buddy? So I'm cold, man. You see his giant ass sweater inside me? You're cold. My dad got my dad got this shit down to like 63 degrees. Why? It's just I don't know. He just has it's it. It's not like that hot. Like that. I don't know. I mean, I've been outside. I was sweating my ass off all day, though. We were, um, we got all of our our garden planted. We have a whole bunch of different stuff, and it was funny. I wanted to tell you this because y- you and I can handle hot pretty well. Okay. Um, Fair. And we 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 ran by this uh, this farmer's market stand, and this guy he was selling hot peppers. Uh-oh. Well, he had a whole bunch of different things. I ended up getting um, some Scotch bonnet peppers. I got. Um, Julia got some Chinese five pepper or five color thing. It's kind of more of a mild, um, which Scotch bonnets I think are pretty hot. Um, but he had a whole row of Carolina Reapers. And I was like, oh, I, I was tempted. I, I was I was really tempted to do it. And he was like, I, I said, have you eaten the Reapers? And he said, yeah. He, he said, I'm going to be straight up with you. It's just unpleasant. <laughs> I was it like, is. it okay. is unpleasant, like, man. I, I'm good. I said I like hot, but I'm not. I said I don't like that hot. So he, it was funny because he was saying that like they're very like there's a ton of them. That was the other reason I didn't get them is because I was like, I'm not gonna eat them all. Like there's no way I'm gonna eat them all. The Carolina if actually, Reapers. If I grow them, yeah, because he said they they just pop up constantly. Like they're they grow really easily. Whereas mm-hmm. I said, you know, how come you don't have any ghost chilies? And he said ghost chilies don't grow as easy. Like he's she's only got like one plant that's actually like germinated and made it. So I don't know. It's kind of strange. It's probably climate too. You're talking about ghost peppers? Yeah. Oh. Yes, yeah, it's, it's it's hilarious because I've tried the Carolina Reaper. I don't know if I told you that. Like you've eaten but one? I've eaten one, yeah. And boy, does it smack you in the face hard. At the paddy wagon. Uh, I could only which, imagine. by the way, yeah. 
at the Richmond at the here in Richmond, we have the it's called the Paddy Wagon and shout out to Paddy Wagon by the way. But they have like an hot pepper eating contest and um, they had it all lined out. I was watching it because I couldn't get into it because I guess I signed up too late. But whenever I got there, I was just sitting there watching them do it and they had like this whole shebang. And the last one was the Carolina Reaper. And I shit you not, like through level after level, people were just leaving. They were burning. I, there, there was like a spot across uh, like at the balcony where people just threw up and they had hoses oh, yeah. ready. And at the end of the night, uh, they uh, they laid out little samples of each pepper that was used in the challenge. And they had a little one for uh, Carolina Reapers. And me and my friend Chris decided to grab one. And I'm talking like a tiny minute, like not, not even this big. And we just both popped one in. And I shit you not, I went to the restroom as soon as it went in my mouth. I was like, I'm prepared to do whatever I need to do to calm this heat. Because all I had yeah. on me was a beer. And that ain't gonna help jack shit. Yeah, so, beer doesn't beer doesn't do too well when you're, not when you're dealing with hot wings or anything hot. Yeah, exactly. It, so it kind of adds fuel to the fire. <laughs> yeah. So I spent like a good solid five minutes just taking that little bit of piece. And yeah. like like you said, like the both of us can like handle our heat well. But when it comes to that, that's just like you're just asking for like pain at that point. Yeah. But I know yeah. they're at um at Kodo in Richmond. There was this one time we were all eating there. My whole family was there, and. uh my dad and I both got General Sow's chicken. And I, it, I love General Sow's chicken. Like, and, and again, we like hot. Like me and my dad, you, all the guys in my family like hot. And uh, we, we, they brought it over and there were these little tiny red peppers in it. They weren't ghost chilies or Carolina. It, it wasn't anything like that. I don't know. I don't even know what kind of pepper it was. They were only about this big, but they were cooked in it whole. And we started eating it, started eating it, started eating it. About a minute and a half later, it was like, <laughs> we looked at each other. That was, that was probably the hottest thing I've ever eaten. Like we, I, we ended up sitting on the curb, like outside. That's Just how hot die. it was. It was really bad. It was really bad. It was delicious. Just really bad. So yeah, I, I chickened out of the Carolina Reapers. I, I couldn't do it. I was like, now i was like i'll go a step down and i'll get the i'll go with the scotch bonnet because i can't i was like i'm not going to use them all there's no way our next instagram so, live is going to be about brad it will the carolina reaper it will while drinking that habanero whiskey whatever the fuck no. is that. yeah i do have my habanero whiskey still yeah this is my, this is my thing i drink this is what i drink when we start the show what to, I do. it's my tradition he needs to eat the he needs to eat the carolina reaper and then chase it down with that habanero drink. i can't imagine <sighs> the stress that would be first of all that would be disgusting because this is mango habanero so it's mm -hmm. got like a tropical thing to it yeah yeah but, it's for the content no. for the views the, if we do that the the quality of the show has gone down after episode <laughs> 20 but speaking of can you believe we're at episode 20 this is 20 weeks of let's talk movies it's true and you know what I was expecting to be at 10. Hell, I wasn't even expecting to be at five. Yeah. yeah. I'm sorry, guys, but when Brad brought up this podcast stuff, I mean, I was like, okay, yeah, this would be fun. This would be just a fun, quick thing to do. It'll probably be over within, like, you know, the next couple of months. But, yo, no. we, we've honestly no. surprised ourselves with this. I'm we have. I, and I'm, I must say, you know, even you and I a few days ago, we were looking back um, after we finished, before we hung up our, our Zoom call here about our mm – -hmm. uh, 
going back and looking at some of the older episodes and things like that and looking at our backgrounds and just the the quality i'm (laughs) i'm very pleased that we've been able to i think i think consistently bump up quality now you all might not think that you may think wow look at these two assholes on youtube doing something stupid but we're having a good time with it so yeah we hope you guys are having a good time too yeah but let's be honest i went from my fucking phone and my work office straight to basically my room that i actually had to set up like all this shit right here i had in my closet because i'm not one to hang up posters so they just sit there in collection but then like as soon as, soon as shit started hitting the fan or shit started hitting i was like damn i really need to beef up my setup and yeah i was kind of embarrassed i watched the first couple episodes oh my god someone i'm, su- I'm surprised no one didn't flame me with my setup jesus it was literally yeah, on an it's... iphone 8 for me I'm 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 very pleased with uh with how far we've come and it's it's funny because I mean a- anybody who does the YouTube thing or does a podcast or you know a- anybody who puts themselves out there like that you know it's a lot of work. I mean like mm-hmm. it is a lot of work. Like we spend a lot of time talking about what we're going to do and going through this and planning it out and typing everything and making the thumbnails and making the you know the pictures and the graphics and editing the video. I mean it, it's a lot of work and anybody who does this knows that. Um and, you know, I, I think if you would have told me around episode four or five that we'd be here and that we would have that we would have grown this much, I probably would have laughed at your face. I'd be like, get the hell out of here. Like, there's yeah, no way. Yeah, yeah. So I, I'm very pleased. And um, that that goes out to you guys, man. Thank you to yeah. everybody who uh, who's watched and commented and liked and followed on Twitter and Instagram and everything else, man. Thank you so much, because yes. you guys are what's keeping it alive you guys you're what's pushing us forward so we really appreciate it we appreciate it we'll um, make, we'll have this conversation again at episode 30 we will <laughs> we will it'll <laughs> be in every 10 episodes thing look how far yeah. we've come look yeah, how far yeah. we've come um so yeah but we're also excited about the future i think now that we're getting closer to summer um school will be ending for miguel i'll be on my summer break and um i think we'll have a lot of we have a lot of fun things planned for the summer too oh yeah so for sure well uh it'll be a good time but let's move on to this episode, man. Let's do this thing. So the Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Overall, first thoughts, what do you got? I would 10 out of 10, I believe that is better than WandaVision. I would agree. Yeah. I would agree. By I far. think going into it. So, you know, I, I genuinely did. I, I didn't think that I would be as into the falcon and the winter soldier as i was into wandavision because i was super into wandavision wandavision kind of like swept the rug out from under me i was not expecting to like it as much as i did Mm -hmm. um but i liked this even better it exceeded my expectations in the best possible way it Um, did i because i I remember sorry no i remember in like in our first episode when, when they did like when kevin feige did the big like schedule for everything that's coming out and yeah. we mentioned falcon winter soldier i'm pretty sure i remember thinking what the fuck i feel like that's a throwaway thing i thought it was just gonna hell be that's a- the whole reason for this podcast yeah that was the whole thing i was sitting at home when they did disney investor day that's what mm-hmm. our first episode is about yep. i was sitting at home and i was like god i want to talk about this like and i kept calling you and texting you and that's the whole that was the birth of this podcast that was its conception kevin feige Thank conceived you. this podcast Pretty much. Congrats, Kevin Feige. <laughs> if I ever meet you, Kevin Feige, I promise you, I will give you the biggest. He's gonna, he's gonna kiss you right on the lips. Trust me, man. I'll be fully vaccinated. No, no, no. It'll be all right. I'll kiss you, and then I'll give you a big hug, and <laughs> we could, we could just see where the night takes us, man. 
Right. But you'll buy him, you'll buy him a martini, a real filthy martini. <laughs> it'll, yeah. it'll be a good old time. Um, <laughs> For sure. But I, you know, for me, I think the biggest compliment that I can give this show um, is that the character arcs were unfreaking believable the entire yeah. time. Mm-hmm. I mean, Sam was very unsure of his self worth. He wasn't sure that Steve made the right decision in giving him the shield. He didn't know why Steve gave him the shield, um, and he he became Captain America at the end. I'm wearing the wrong shirt. I'm wearing my Civil War, Steve Rogers, Tony Shark, Tony Shark, Tony Shark. Tony I don't Shark. know what the hell I'm talking about. Tony Stark shirt. Um, but, you know, Sam's whole character arc, Bucky's character arc with trying to right his wrongs and he's mm. looking for purpose. Um, I, I really, and I've always liked Bucky, but this show made me like Bucky all that much more. Yeah. Um, and even Zemo, man, bringing Zemo back into the mix, it was awesome. Mm-hmm. I could, I've watched that, um, the Zemo dancing, the Zemo cut that Marvel put on at least a hundred times. Like it's, it's you like know, my it's, favorite thing ever. I think it's fucking hilarious that uh, Marvel, Marvel's the one that dropped that video. It was like a, I think it's like an hour or two loop of him just dancing. Yeah, it's like it's an amazing. hour long loop. It's like that became like the biggest meme that came out of this show. Cause you know, almost everything can have a meme now, but yeah, when, uh, when helmet Zemo went out there dancing, did his thing, it made us all love him, even though <laughs> he did a lot of messed up things. If you look back at oh, what well, he's yeah. done and civil war, like bar none, like this man literally created havoc for a lot of people. I mean, yeah, he's the one that destroyed the Avengers. He's he, he can successfully say he destroyed the Avengers. He did. And uh, I've seen people like, you know, talk about it. And they say that even though like they never understood why people were getting, why he was getting so much praise for like, for, or getting so much uh, like, you know, attention in this TV show and this show, because they, they started like peeling back everything he did back then. And like this man killed, like actually, he actually killed like civilians. He killed innocent people for his gain. And yeah. yeah, it uh, yeah, that's some that's something that has to be said. Yeah, he's For a sure. terrible person, but again, he just he's 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 his character arc since Civil War has grown tremendously, and we could say the same thing for almost everybody in here. It goes for show even the side characters, which I mean, yeah. I would love to talk about Joaquin Torres. Do you know what I'm talking about? Uh, yes, Sam's partner mm-hmm. at in the beginning. I, yeah. I'd love to talk about him. See where what his future holds. For sure. But, well, let me ask you this. Does. Do, do you think that this was a redemptive arc for Zemo? Or do you think deep down Zemo is still the guy who's willing to do whatever it takes to get what he wants? I think I think this was a important... Uh, I think this show is so important for Zemo because I think in at the end of the show, they are hinting the point that they're going to bring up the Thunderbolts, which yeah. obviously is like, you know, a separate, I, I guess an anti-Avengers that's uh run by uh what's his name who am i thinking of ross Ross? yeah Yeah, ross of secretary ross but it's interesting to know that uh i'm still waiting for him to become red hulk yeah but i was really interested to to know about uh the new character that came out i forgot what her name is the one that came out her name's val yeah julia louis dreyfus played her yeah Um, great great character i don't know she's so off the wall i didn't even know who it was to be completely honest which from what i gather i don't think anybody even the hardcore marvel people were like who is that 
Like, I don't well, think they even realized who she was until they, like, looked into it. Well, they mentioned, uh, like, a pretty big uh, cameo. And everyone was – this is what I love about Marvel. is like, they'll literally let you say or think whatever, and then they just give you this. And it still works. It's a, it's a kind of a disappointment, but it's still a surprise. Yeah. Valentina Allegra de Fontaine. That's her name. Yeah. But yeah. she, is, she is, like, a double agent for S.H.I.E.L.D. and HYDRA, if I'm not mistaken. Mm. I could be wrong. But she's – so that obviously goes to show that Hydra is still around. Oh, yeah. And it'll still be a problem later on in the future. I, I kind of have my own little theory about that because, you know, as, as we know, if, if you're a comic, a follower of the Marvel comics, you know, Lady Hydra is, mm-hmm. is a, is a, is, she's a villain. Um, and again, I wanted to hop into Sharon Carter because, again, she was a character uh, that I was really happy that they brought back. But I feel like her character in Civil War and her character in this series was night and day. You know, in Civil War, I, I think she was genuinely trying to do the right thing and live up to her grandmother's name. Mm-hmm. And in this series, especially that post credit scene, do you think that Sharon Carter could become Lady Hydra? Do you think no. she is that level of villain? Or do you think she's just trying to get back at the people that wronged her when they didn't give her her pardon? And when they, you know, when they kind of banished her and took her away from, you know, what she was. I don't think so. Cause uh, I think Val is going to end up being Lady Hydra because really? uh, Sharon Carter is obviously the power broker. If you think about it. I mean, yeah, she obvious. is the, yeah. she is the power broker. She and, admitted uh, that. Yeah. Yeah. So when you think of Sharon Carter, people were surprised. Like they were wondering, like, did she become the power broker? Like after she left, I think that she be, she was a power broker long before uh, this movie. I think she was even the power really? broker during Captain America. Really? Yeah. I don't know her, even her, her person, not even, I don't even, I guess you could say her personality mm-hmm. because when she was with Steve and when she was helping them, she she seemed different she didn't seem kind of like this dark-sided you don't know the full story kind of thing and every single time we saw her in this series i kind of felt like wow there's a lot more going on than we see mm-hmm. and there, there was a little bit of mystery to her that I, I you couldn't really put your finger on it you couldn't really place and i think that that's going to be really interesting moving forward uh and seeing how she kind of fits into things and you know what what information is she going to leak from the cia and from the u.s government to hydra and to you know some of these other terrorist and villain groups that we're going to see over you know phase four and five Mm -hmm. so i i think she do you think she's in full-on villain territory or do you think she's kind of playing both sides a little bit i think she's probably playing both sides because I, I was going to mention this. The reason why I know, I'm pretty sure Karen's been the power broker is because when Zemo mentioned about the power broker, he mentioned it as if everybody knew about the power broker. And in order for him to know that before the blip, that means the power broker had to been around long before Civil War and probably before uh, the Winter Soldier, before all this stuff That's happened fair. with Hydra. That's fair, so yeah. Zemo's comment right there made me think, well, that means Power Broker's been around for a while, and it's easy to suspect that Sharon Carter is it because Power Broker 
was introduced in this show, but Sharon Carter was introduced long ago. So it could be the fact that she's been the power broker yeah. and uh, Nick Fury I mean, has just been using her because also she's uh, in collusion with, uh, what's his name? The Frenchman, the one who plays, uh, who's played by George Yeah, Pierre. Like yeah. they, like it could, because she's the one that hired that man to kill Sam, but that makes you think again like is she the one that hired him to hijack that ship for nick fury right and, and you know i i mean it, it confirms she is the power broker mm-hmm. i i think for me um i'm bored another beer here uh I, for me i think for both baron zemo and sharon carter uh, it seems like they still have a much larger story to be told mm-hmm. moving forward i don't think especially Sharon Carter, I don't think that her story is going to end with this show. I think that post credit scene is setting her up to be something um, greater and a little bit more of a driving force. Mm-hmm. And even Zemo. I, I, I really don't think we've seen the last of Zemo. I don't. Oh, for sure I think not. he's too interesting of a character. Um, very similar to Loki. I think he's got this essence about him that you, you like him. You kind of can't help but like him. Yeah, but exactly. he's always gonna be he he's always got an ulterior motive even if he's helping you he's always kind of taken the other way around to mm-hmm. not even necessarily screw you over he's just trying to get on top himself yeah so well, I, I i think they both have a much larger story to be told and uh in the greater mcu with zemo's arc i mean we could talk about each character here but when if we're talking about zemo um i think Zemo is a Zemo is a villain, but he's a villain with a decent with a semi uh, understandable cause. You know what I mean? Because he yeah. firmly believes that there should not be any uh, super soldiers in this world. Because because you remember in his speech about when he was talking to Sam and Bucky about the whole a supremacist thing and how the super soldier serum is like just a mm-hmm. aisle down to the whole ideals of supremacy and. It goes to show like he's like he's he's for he's for the lower people like he's for the people of Sokovia like he feels for all these people that are suffering for at sure. the hands of all of these people that are all these superheroes and supervillains that are just fighting along and the civilians are the ones that the cat are the casualty so I think he has really good cause and I think it'd be interesting to see him as a semi so to speak uh anti-hero because he was kind of an anti-hero in this entire show if you think about it like he is he an anti-hero in this show so and it was and he was a great foil for uh sam and bucky because for sure both for sam it was uh how do i live up to the reputations of captain of of steve without the super soldier serum and uh zemo was like the super soldier serum is nothing but it's nothing but built on supremacist ideals. Yes. And Bucky, who is actually a product of the abuse of it because he didn't choose it. He didn't choose to be a super soldier. Right. The Those ideals made him a super soldier and he was used as a tool for those ideals. And he is trying to right his wrongs, whereas Zemo still sees him as just another another tool in the whole supremacist ideals. Right. So I think that whole like trio... That conversation, I think it was like the second or third episode. 
I believe so. Like around that area is when they were having that conversation. I, I think it was, was in the, the Power Broker episode. Yeah. It was really interesting to, to see those two interact. And like some, there were just so many themes in this show that, uh, that I think need to be addressed. And it's incredible. We could talk more about that later. But I, was, I just want to talk about more about the character arcs in these shows. Because yeah. I want to ask you what you think of uh, Carly, Carly Morgenthau's character in this show the main villain supposed like the supposed main villain basically yeah and, and i i for sure wanted to bring this up in the whole one world one people movement um you know for me i i did not expect carly to die i thought she would have a little bit more of a redemptive arc mm-hmm. um and she really didn't i i in a way i felt for her because you know at the end when her and sam were fighting she was trying to prove a point mm-hmm. in saying like, you know, you're just like the rest of them. You're, you're just going to treat us the same way that the rest of these superheroes and the rest of the way that the American government has. And I thought it was such a, a, an important moment when Sam was just blocking her punches mm-hmm. and she said, why won't you fight me? Because Sam was trying to prove a point. Sam was trying to tell her like, there are good people and there are people that are on your side. Um, I really liked her character arc. I think she was trying, again, look at Zemo, look at Thanos, look at Carly Morgenthau. Every character that, excuse me, every villain that is that we would consider to be the best villains are the ones who honestly believe that they're doing the right thing. And Mm -hmm. Carly truly believed that she was on the people's side and that she was doing the right thing, which is why she was dangerous. She didn't care who she killed. She didn't care who she pissed off. She just, she felt that she was doing the right thing and she wasn't going to let anything stop her. Mm -hmm. Um, Now, you know, I, are we done? And this is a question that I had for you as well. Do you think we're done with the flag smashers or is this a greater movement? Because she talked a whole lot about how the movement is ready and mm-hmm. that there were others and that there are enough people that will back them. Um, and this one world, one people movement that even if she died, even if all of her party of super soldiers died, there would still be enough people to keep it going. So do you think we were done with the flag smashers or do you think that's a recurring movement that we will see throughout this based on what happened with the blip? I think it's going to be a recurring uh, movement. I, I don't think, cause honestly the flag smashers are done for. I mean, you saw what happened to them, the rest yeah. of them that were put into that truck, it blew up because of Zemo. And uh, I think that even though Carly Morgenthau's group of the flag smashers are gone, I think that idea of uh, of the whole movement is still going to be around because obviously it's, it's not going to change because of what Sam, because of Sam's speech that he made at the end. It's not going to change. There's still going to be all of that yeah. you know, paper pushing politics coming through. And uh, whenever, uh, whenever we see more in the future, because like obviously this blip has affected a lot in this, in the, in yeah. that universe so and and even to touch on that i I think that it's really creative and i really like that both of these shows have really touched on the blip because you know even you know in endgame we saw a little bit of 
what happened when Ant-Man came out of the quantum realm mm. and there were all the posters up and everything was just kind of like chaos. There wasn't really any, you know, and that had been five years after the blip. Mm-hmm. Um, and after Thanos did what he did, it, it just like, it, it was just kind of apocalyptic almost. Yeah. Um, and, you know, that was something that I, I think it's really cool that they're exploring is, you know, we went from when Thanos snapped and wiped out half of all life, you know, there were repercussions for that. I mean, you got to, you know, even like we saw at the end of Infinity War, um, when Nick Fury and um, what's her name? Ah, oh, dang. Name? I forgot I her what her name is. Um, you know, when the, the helicopter's crashing and it's just chaos. I mean, that chaos was real. That was like an apocalyptic chaos that -hmm. people had to deal with. And they had to deal with the effects after that. So I'm really glad to see them exploring, you know, not only what happened after Thanos snapped, but after what happened when Bruce Banner snapped and the Hulk brought everybody back, because that's really important. I mean, it would feel strange if they just didn't ever explore that. So I'm really happy that they are. And I'm really happy that we have this, global repatriation council mm-hmm. i think because it wouldn't yeah it wouldn't make sense to like have banner snap his fingers and everything just returns to normal. it just went like, back to yeah. normal like none of that no. ever happened because that that like, wouldn't be how it worked i think that was a great play for the writers it was to do that because i mean obviously this is like a big thing with the whole with both snaps because not only did the world progress forward and try to move on but now all these all these all the people that were snapped away came back and now we got to figure out what to do with them for sure that's a really like important topic to discuss and i'm glad they're bringing that in throughout these two tv shows and so whenever we're dealing with people like the flag smashers i mean obviously they're upset because the flag smashers were pretty much the people that um were there to survive during the blip but then when they came back they're being forced to move away because with all these people coming in less resources which is exactly what Thanos said you know what I mean yeah he said there yeah not enough food and not enough material to go around for these people and eventually like that's exactly what's happening like maybe that like Thanos was right to a certain degree again well of course and I mean even in real life you know it it it's true um you know humans destroy everything pretty much uh, if Thanos was around still he would have a seat on the GRC yeah <laughs> he, he would wholeheartedly agree with the grc um so yeah i i'm i thought the whole the story arc with the flag smashers and you know what they uh what they were trying to do and the, their whole character arc i thought was really really nice mm. um there's one character that we haven't even talked about yet oh. john walker john walker i have a whole lot to say about john walker it's interesting to say the least it was interesting and it was arguably my favorite character arc of the series yes now going into this i must say that wyatt russell knocked it out of the park he did and i know for a while i mean you know it it takes a really special actor and it takes someone who really knows the role they're playing and who is really into the role they're playing to really make you genuinely not like them that much and i don't know if you've watched any interviews with him he's a really nice guy i mean he's kurt russell's son like come on he's a really really nice guy he's a really really genuine guy um 
Yeah, and, and I've, I, he's, he's a good actor. I've seen him in Oh, he's a great movies. actor. Yeah. I, I think this is going to open a lot of doors for him, too. And I hope it does, because he. Mm. I think he's very talented. Um, I don't know, man. He's probably... the Because you notice what's... Because you notice with the whole MCU, like, if you're in the MCU, you're in the MCU. Like, you have no time for any projects whatsoever. Until Well, he's also a side character, time. though. He's not one of our well, main... That's fair, yeah. Because, I mean, uh, what's his name? Who plays Loki? I forgot his name. Tom Hiddleston. Tom Hiddleston. Yeah, he's he's able to do some projects here and there. So yeah. I could see him. I yeah, I could see him. You know his his career. Yeah. Exploding after this, but John Walker's character. Let let me let me take a stab at this. It's it's important for John's character in this show because he he represented like a huge symbol for what this uh show is mean was meaning to do which is the world didn't want a black captain america and uh whenever uh sam gave away the shield i mean it was him just saying like yeah i agree and he didn't want to face repercussions of it so then the government was like okay well finally we can have our very own captain america because even though steve was captain america he wasn't he wasn't the government's Captain America. You know what I mean? Yeah, he like I, even though Steve was Captain America, he was very anti-government, which is something they didn't like. Because obviously, you know, he was against the Zakovia Accords. He was against uh, what Shield was doing and all that jazz. And like even during Infinity War, whenever uh, Ross like confronted him again, he's like, "You think everything is gonna be okay just because all this is happening?" Like Steve was not able to be controlled, so. When Steve retired and gave the shield to Sam, and Sam didn't feel ready for it, and he gave it away, that was the government's moment to be like, okay, we finally have our opportunity to have a Captain America that will share our, our ideals, and that's where John Walker comes in. I think I agree with that. I, yeah. I, think, I, I think I agree with everything you just said. Um, from the very beginning, I, I think part of the whole deal with people hating his character was that you know we had grown so accustomed to steve and people were so in love with chris evans playing steve rogers Mm -hmm. that the idea of someone else carrying that shield was like repulsive Mm -hmm. you know and i think from the minute he walked out in that in that second episode in the star spangled man as captain america you know he I will agree with you in what you said that they were trying to make Captain America in their own image. Um, and Steve Rogers kind of evolved into something else. You know, mm-hmm. if you look at, if you compare Steve Rogers to John Walker, it's night and day. They are, they are complete, uh, they're extremes, but their extreme ends on the opposite spectrum. Mm-hmm. Steve Rogers, like you said, is very morally upright he you know he he did take the other road he wasn't completely on the same page with the u.s government but with that being said steve rogers would have never slaughtered somebody on live tv in front of the the entire world i mean that episode was titled um the whole world is watching Mm -hmm. steve rogers would have never done that exactly Um, so john walker is the opposite of him because john walker and i think this is it's perfect that he becomes u.s agent because 
while John Walker is a morally upright man and while he, you know, he does have his Medal of Honors and he did serve in the military and he, he believes he's doing the right thing, but he will do whatever it takes to get there. He will double cross people. He will kill innocent people. John Walker, I, I think, is one of the most dangerous villains we've had on the show. And I know he's not necessarily a villain, or in the, I'm sorry, in the MCU, not on the show. Um, I know he's not, U.S. Agent is not technically a villain. He's more of an anti-hero, kind of rides that line in between mm. hero and villain. Um, but I think, you know, his character arc was so great for me, because it really, you felt his descent into like madness and then that last episode really kind of i think he got a little piece of himself back um and i think that's that's kind of where u.s agent is gonna fall again he's not he's not gonna be a steve rogers he's not always gonna do the right thing no matter whose side he's on but he's gonna do what he thinks is right and um excuse me he's going to do whatever gets him whatever completes his goal whatever goal he has in his mind he's going to do whatever it takes he's not going to do the morally upright thing he will do what captain america will not so i think his descent into insanity really was kind of one of my favorite parts about the show because it felt like there was weight like i felt like there was a genuine weight you know, and it kind of, when it climaxed and he killed that person with the shield, I mean, it was just like, what? I mean, I remember sitting there watching that and I was like, holy shit, this got wild. Yeah, it did. I think the reason, I think his descent to madness comes from uh, him taking the super soldier serum because you could tell, like, because before he took the so- yes, super soldier serum, before he took it, the conversation was brought up again about what the super soldier serum does like it enhances what you are and um john walker was pretty much a soldier he was just someone that took orders and did whatever he needed to do to get the goal achieved and whenever he took the super soldier serum he was like his his desire to get the mission finished basically increased so like it turned into like he'll stop at nothing to get the job done yes so I think it was interesting to even for that theme to continue on of the super soldier serum will if you're if you're a good man it makes you a great man if you're a bad man it makes you a worse man yes. pretty much and I yes. think it's I think this show is really important because I think the show is pretty much trying to prove Zemo wrong in the show it's like because he's saying like yeah super soldier serum is just nothing but another road into supremacy because you know the whole spiel again and seeing john walker's uh story arc because he's he was he is so he is a man of privilege and everything he has has been built on by other by those that are more or less fortunate and so when it came down to him at the end, whenever he had to make the decision whether to go after Carly or save the people, like you could see him actively rethink his position and where to, where he's in in life or where he's in in th- that situation and decide to do the right thing, obviously to save his people. Basically proving uh, 
to proving against Zemo's case that the super soldier serum is completely bad because in the in that conversation with Bucky and Sam and Zemo Bucky uh rebuttaled his statement saying maybe you're wrong because the serum never corrupted Sam and Zemo obviously said that's true but there's never been a there's never been a Steve Rogers I said I said Sam but I'm talking about Steve Rogers yeah yeah I know yeah. I knew. but I think that sh- I think this show was pretty much saying like yes yeah, Steve is gone but and there'll never be someone just like him, but there will be people that want to be like him and will try. And I think with John Walker becoming a news agent, I think his entire the net the future of his story will be trying to win the hearts of the people again. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because what he did was obviously atrocious. I think so, he will ride that line though as US agent of he will do what a Captain America or what an Iron Man or what a Spider-Man mm-hmm. won't do. You know, he, he'll, he's willing to go to the dark side a little bit and to, um, you know, to dance with the devil a little bit to get to do, you know, he's a soldier, just like you said. And it, I, really interesting thought with that. You know, we talked about the, the U.S. government trying to make Cap in their own image um, and somebody that would work for them Captain America isn't a symbol that works for the government. Mm-hmm. Captain America is a symbol for the people. And if you look at, you know, like you said, John Walker was privileged, not to say that he didn't work hard, not to say that he wasn't, you know, a, a great soldier and that he didn't fight for his country. Um, I, I, I don't but think he was... he's an entirely bad guy, but he has a little bit of privilege. Mm-hmm. If you look at, the two previous Captain Americas, Steve Rogers was a little scrawny guy who got the shit kicked at him all the time. Bucky had to come save him half the time. He couldn't do anything. He he was t- small. He was tiny. Sam Wilson, you know, not, not quite the same thing. He's a black man. And another theme was the whole Isaiah Bradley. You know, they don't want a black Captain America. Um, and also, you know, black people have been you know persecuted for for years and Mm -hmm. that was a theme and i love that they wove that into this i love that at the end of the series you know sam got isaiah bradley that the the statue and the little section you know devoted to him in the the captain america museum i thought that was fantastic i thought it was amazing was my favorite one of my favorite parts of the show Mm -hmm. um but you know captain america steve and sam both they fight for the little people. Mm-hmm. They fight for the people, not for the government and the government's interests. John Walker is the antithesis of Sam and Steve because he is willing to do whatever it takes for the government. He's more on the government side than he really is on the people's side. And I think that's where the difference between a Steve Rogers, Sam Wilson, Captain America, and a John Walker, Captain America. And again, I know now he's U.S. agent, and that's going to be a whole other deal. Um, but that w- that was just an interesting thought, because I think Captain America should be someone that fights for the people. And you mm-hmm. even mentioned the super soldier serum. You know, I think Zemo is right. I don't. I think the super soldier serum brings out more of you and what you really are. In Sam's case, or not in Sam, in Steve's case, 
it brought out that wanting to fight for the people, even if the government wasn't on your side. Um, and, you know, that uprightness and wanting to do the right thing in John Walker, it brought out the I take orders and I'm going to get the job done type scenario. So, yeah, I, I he think talked the f- about it. He talked about it before he took the super soldier serum about like that Medal of Honor he had, those awards he has, like those were given to him for decisions that he knew were morally wrong. Right. Yeah, still, yeah, yeah, trying- yeah. And he still hasn't come to terms with it. So he's Perfect point. really, Perfect really point. conflicted. So whenever he got the super soldier serum, it just increased that that uh, that uh, that frustration with the morals that he has. So for sure, I think that now that he's now that he's the, the U.S. agent, he's not necessarily controlled by the government, so to speak. Like he's not working for the government; he's mainly working for himself. I think this would be an interesting take to see how he progresses because, I mean, since since the start of the show, since episode two all the way down to the season finale, like, I kind of grew to like John Walker a little bit. Like, he's someone that, even though he did those things and he's, uh, he comes from privileged life, like, he's, he's trying, he's, he's trying to do what is right, even though it's moralistically wrong. Yeah, and and again, I think that's kind of where U.S. Agent resides. He's not necessarily a hero, but he's not really a villain either. He's just mm-hmm. kind of will. He's willing to go into the darkness a little bit to do the right thing or to get what he wants. Yeah. Um, so I thought that was really really interesting. Um, another thing I wanted to bring up, and this is kind of a small thing. In the season finale, which I thought was one of the better episodes of the series, mm-hmm. um, I, the season finale got a lot of flack from Rotten Tomatoes and IGN and a couple of other, um, you know, entertainment news outlets. And I'm not really sure why. Um, I, I remember reading that a couple people thought that a lot of the story arcs that they had been setting up didn't really pay off in the end. I I think they pay, especially Sam's. I mean, obviously. That was kind of the whole purpose of the series. Um, but I thought a lot of the uh, the character arts paid off. One thing I thought was kind of strange was that Spider-Man was not in that climactic fight scene <laughs> because for me, I feel like if they're in New York City, Spider-Man would have been all over that. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's kind of funny because um, the director was actually asked directly, you know, why wasn't Spider-Man in that? Like, I guess I wasn't the only one who thought, like, where is Spider-Man right now? Yeah. Um, did you know Kevin Feige shot that down? What do you mean? They wanted the, um, uh, what's his first name? Spellman is his last name. Um, like, remember. Kevin Feige wouldn't let him answer the question? No. Or he, he just, like, they, it no, off? The director wanted Spider-Man in the finale, Mm-hmm. Um, and here's what the, rec- the director had to say. He said, of course, then Kevin Feige tells you, no, stop it. Listen, when you first show up to these projects in your mind, you think you're going to get used to everybody in the MCU or get to use everybody in the MCU. But Marvel always has to ask, does this person belong in the story? You cannot geek out and put all of our characters in your project because you like them. They have to occur organically. So Spider-Man didn't make it. Yeah. And I well, get it's- that. 
Because it's, honestly, if they would have thrown Spider-Man in, everybody would have been like, holy shit, it's Spider-Man. Like they would have mm-hmm. freaked out for that reason. So um I think that's I a problem know. the MCU is gonna have pretty soon because the MCU is getting so big that they that the MCU is gonna be cornering themselves into a wall because with all of these things happening at these locations, like it's almost as if, yeah, they have to be in there. They have Otherwise, to overlap. Like they have to overlap. And, and it's like the comic books. Mm-hmm. They overlap constantly in the comic yeah, books. Yeah, there's I plenty, mean, of, every, plenty of cameos in these comics. Almost books. every single entry in the comic books is a crossover thing, even if it's only between like two or three characters. Mm-hmm. So, so I think that's where MC, the MCU's having a really tough time because it's not a comic book. It's for sure high budget TV and film. Mm-hmm. And it costs money to have these characters in there. Yeah. And logistically, it's. I feel like logistically, it would have been hard to have Spider-Man in that, and for it to make and for it to work for the grander story. If you know what I mean. Yeah. It. And I. On one hand, I'm like, it's weird that Spider-Man wasn't there, and you you try to suspend disbelief and justify it a little bit, like maybe he was busy. He was busy fighting somebody else. He was doing. Yeah. There, there was a, it's in New York. There's a lot going on in New York. Um. But I just thought that was kind of interesting. But then, of course, on the other hand, it's like, I get it. I, I get that that moment needed to be about the fact that Sam was Cap. Like, mm-hmm. that that's what that needed to be about. Um, and, you know, another thing is, you know, where the MCU is going to start running into problems, like you just said, is, you know, look at Madripoor. I think it was very cool that they chose to use Madripoor as such a an important location uh, in this series, but as we know, Madripoor is a very important X-Men um, location as well. Yeah. Um, you know, everything from, I believe Wolverine lived there at one point. There's a lot of undercover X-Men that are from Madripoor. They're going to have to start tying things together a little bit more, or it's going to feel like, why isn't this character here? Mm-hmm. Just like the whole I, Spider-Man I think- question. Again, I think that's because the expectations are higher now with this phase coming in. Because during the Infinity Saga, like no one was, ex- no one didn't know what was going on all the way up closer to the end. Say like, I would say, probably since the Avengers, the first Avengers and second Avengers, people were starting to understand what's going on. But before then, they were just trying to set it up, and we didn't know what was going on. Yeah. So that's why it worked so beautifully to see all these things and for them to set up the world. But now with uh, after the Infinity Saga, it's kind of expected. Like every little moment has to be connected to something. Right. So that's where the MCU and Kevin Feige are having. I, I feel like they're having a little bit of a shtick right now trying to build a world piece by piece instead of giving it all to us at one in one TV show or in one movie. You know what I mean? Like they yeah. want to build it, but the but the fans want more. They just want pure fan service now. For sure. And well, and I don't even know if I'd say they want pure fan service, but I think especially fans of the comic books, mm-hmm. they're going to be looking for that multi-dimensional it's not about any single character anymore. You know, mm-hmm. it, moving forward, I think Marvel has to change their formula. They have to, 
they can't use the same formula that we had for phases one through three because, again, look at Iron Man, look at The Incredible Hulk, Iron Man 2. They took however many films to even build up to the Avengers. You know, again, before we even really knew that the Infinity War was going to happen, yes, they laid the foundation. It wasn't until the post credit scene of the Avengers that we got the whole Thanos when he, like, turns around in the chair. And then Age of Ultron when he actually puts on the glove and says, fine, I'll do it myself. It's like, okay, yeah, we're going towards Infinity War. Like, that mm. was the point where it clicked. But look how many films they took to do that that were basically standalone things except for the post credit scene but marvel they're in a different world now we are we're living in the end game world where end game was like the biggest superhero cross it was the biggest superhero crossover event of all time so they're living in a world now where they have to play off of all of these different characters and make it make sense and if it doesn't they're gonna we will fans know are, fans are gonna know you know, and of course, this was a small thing. I don't mean to make a big deal out of nothing. Um, I just, as, as I was watching it, I was like, why isn't Spider-Man here? Because mm -hmm. like New York City is Spider-Man's like, that's his thing. Like that, mm -hmm. that's, that's his thing. Um, and, you know, if the Fantastic Four were actually a part of this, I would say, where's the Baxter building? Where are the Fantastic Four? How come they're not there? Mm -hmm. You know, it, it would, it's just, it, there are too many characters on top of each other down yeah that it's gonna feel strange when some of them aren't there or when you have a story about one single character so mm -hmm. that's just something that i think kevin feige and and marvel and disney really need to take into consideration as they move forward uh, and i know kevin feige said you know back at that disney investor day thing you never know who you're gonna see and these i know don Cheadle had a small mm -hmm. cameo um i think i saw in she hulk it's reported that Charlie Cox has a role in She-Hulk, which would make sense because it's, she's a lawyer and Charlie Cox is a lawyer because he's Daredevil mm -hmm. um, and Matt Murdock. But I, I don't know. I, I think they need to start thinking in crossover terms or it's going to start to feel like they're trying to retrace the same formula that they had at the beginning. And I don't yeah. think that's going to work this time. No, because the fans, I th the fans just, the fans want to, the MCU to evolve into basically like the comic book world where almost everyone can be in anything at any point in time. For sure. And I think that's where the MCU are going to have another challenge on their hands because the first challenge was just, you know, making this entire world that we all come to love. Oh yeah. Now it's to keep these, to keep the fans because like, like we talked about before, like if the MCU doesn't come up, doesn't continue to evolve, there will be a burnout sort of speak so superhero speak. fatigue yeah we're gonna hit it i mean it's gonna happen that's why i i wholeheartedly think they need to change it up they need to do a different formula like this spider-verse movie that we have coming out mm -hmm. this needs to be mind-blowing yep i wholeheartedly I believe if that. it doesn't if it ends up being disappointing i think if if it disappoints too much it's it's gonna be a really big hit for yeah the mcu which I doubt it. I know that I'm sure they have plenty. I'm sure they have enough planned out coming from the news and all that and all the rumor mills. But I'm just saying Spider-Man um, No Way Home is going to is going to set the tone for the for the future of the MCU. For sure. It will. 
Um, and, you know, even another thing, I, I've seen a lot of people mention this, and I know that we have the Fantastic Four have officially been announced. Um, there's a whole bunch of different characters that are being announced for phases four and five, especially. I'm seeing it more and more on Marvel forums and on Facebook and on a lot of the pages that I'm in and Facebook groups and things like that. People are saying, where the hell are the X-Men? Where are mutants? And I'm so, like, yeah, I kind of agree. Do you? I'd say I agree. Because, I mean, the X-Men are a big part of the comic books. I mean, they really are. They're, mm. I mean, I think in the comics, they're just as much, just as important as the, as the Avengers are, really. So, I mean, again, where, I know there's a lot, I know there's a lot going on. But where are the X-Men? Where are mutants? Like, where are, I know there was a theory a while ago that said Thanos' snap and the energy would create mutants. I don't know. I don't know if I like that or not, but. I don't mind it. It's. It's honestly, I mean, I could see that happening. Like, like you said, like, like Rocket said in Endgame, he said when Thanos snapped, uh, Earth became ground zero for cosmic yeah. energy. And yeah, I think the snap really did do stuff. And I think now that there was two snaps in the world, I mean, it had to have done something. Mm-hmm. They had to. Ho- hopefully, they we get Easter eggs soon. I know Madripoor is the first big x-men easter egg that we've gotten um and i believe i don't forgive me if you're watching and you don't know if you know specifics that i don't um i know that there have been different i think marvel posted on a website or something like that there were a whole bunch of x-men easter eggs in like a mad rapport website or a falcon the winter soldier or something like that and it got taken down so i don't know maybe mad rapport is the beginning of them trying to ease the x-men idea in um but i I think they need to uh they need to start using some of these heavy hitter heroes now that robert downey jr and chris evans are out of the mix because if they don't man I, i i'm afraid that they're going to rely on heroes and characters that the majority of people have never heard of. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's going to hurt them. And again, if, well, the spider, know, like... if, if the Spider-Verse is overwhelmed, is underwhelming, it might turn people off. I'm, I mean, I know I'm going to be disappointed if No Way Home is very like, meh, you know? Yeah, I gotcha. I think but... it has the potential to be the best in the whole Spider-Man franchise. I'm sure it does. I think it does. But that's, but that's like I don't know. I don't want to hype us up for it because I don't want you. I don't want. No. You, I don't want it. I don't want you to end up like you know how you were in Godzilla versus Kong. Like you were hyped oh, up just, for it, and then. And, and I then enjoyed you, it. I I really did. I genuinely enjoyed Godzilla versus Kong, but I didn't walk out of there feeling like, wow, mm-hmm. that was amazing. I really didn't. Yeah, so. which I understand, but I just don't. That's why. That's why I'm not. I'm trying not to go in that movie with high expectations i'm i'm happy to talk about it and talk about these theories but i'm not not expecting yeah exactly cautious optimism so i don't know it'll be it i really hope the mcu have i hope they have something under their belt to keep this going forward and not just continue on with the formula that they have because obviously superhero fatigue is a thing and it will come a time whenever we start seeing comments like the walking dead 
know what I mean? Yep. Like, oh, and, I remember you know, when it was, I remember the Infinity Saga was so good before. I'm not going to watch it now. So it's, yeah. And, and that doesn't mean that it won't be good then when superhero fatigue does set in amongst the greater public because... I mean, again, you just you mentioned The Walking Dead, and that's a really nice point. I mean, people, I see it on Facebook every single time. One of my favorite things to do is after an episode of The Walking Dead, get on their Facebook page. It's hilarious. Read through the comments because it's people who are like, I stopped watching in 2007. And I'm like, then why are you watching right now? That's not true. Like, shut up. Mm-hmm. Um, or in season seven, um, the show wasn't even on in 2007. Um, so yeah, I, I, I hope that they change up their formula. And I hope that Marvel realize, you know, DC's falling into this. They're falling into, look at, they gave up the Snyderverse for Blue Beetle and for Black Adam and for Shazam. And I'm like, why? Like, you can still do all of that. Like, you could, Marvel can still throw in Shang-Chi and all of these other side characters while still using some of your heavy hitters, use the X-Men, man. Use the Fantastic Four. Use Red Hulk. Use all of these really cool characters while throwing in all these other side ones. Um, I just, I, I, I worry, I worry that they're not going to, in trying to, because what they're doing is they're trying to leave themselves a place to go, which I, I get, you have to do that. that. I mean, duh, that makes sense. But I think they're, I, I don't want them to move so slow and I don't want them to introduce characters and story arcs so slowly that it gets like, people are just like, whatever, I'm done. Does that make yeah. sense? Would you agree, agree with that? I agree with that. But so. I, I, I'm not, I mean, Shang-Chi is going to be a good movie for mm-hmm. sure. And I think you'll yeah. introduce uh, that side. I think it's, I'm going to put this right. I want to say the MCU is going back to its core idea of world building. And that's smart because, I mean, we can't go back to the same places we've been to over and over. Otherwise, it gets a little tedious. So it's I think gonna get Shang-Chi. Yeah, I think Shang-Chi will be. Uh, I, sorry, guys, I'm probably saying it Shang-Chi or whatever. But I it think is the movie. Shang-Chi, you're right. Yeah, I think that movie will be another world building. Um, entry into the MCU and uh I'm excited for it speaking of Shang-Chi or Shang-Chi I'm sorry I keep saying it wrong have you I watched a video the other day on YouTube there are a ton of easter eggs throughout all of the movies for the 10 rings have you noticed have you ever noticed that yeah I knew that it was because you didn't even know about that side I did. I I, honestly, I was not familiar with the 10 rings before we started looking into that. But Mm -hmm. even in Iron Man three, and I'll have to go back and watch in a few different, it was in. it was, let me, let me label it out. It was in Iron Man one. There's a few different places that Iron Man three, it was in, it was in that side episode. One of the, there was, there is a, there is a scene where some goon was doing something and he had a tattoo of the Ten Rings. Yes. And uh, it goes, like, the Ten Rings has been around for a while. I think I think bringing up all of these villainous groups, like Hydra, the Ten Rings, and Hammer, Hammer Industries is coming mm. back, I'm pretty sure. Like, yes. bringing all of these side ones are interesting because it's, it's, an, it's introducing a, a new 
story within MCU about the Avengers are done. Like they've been done. There's no Avengers since uh, Civil War and Infinity War. There hasn't been yeah. Avengers. So these these groups are coming out and they they think they have an opportunity to get to reclaim what re- reclaim what was theirs. And I think this will. I think the next phase, this entire phase of the MCU, is going to be about how do we continue to protect people without our greatest asset, well, which is what's the Avengers, which is where we have Captain, uh, we have a uh, Falcon and Winter Soldier, and we have Shang-Chi, and then we also have, um, uh, what's it called? What's the new TV show that's coming out with uh, Don Cheadle? Um, it's, Iron Wars. Uh, Iron Wars, yeah. Like, we're going to have all of these shows come out because it's important to say, because like all of the, because again, all of these groups are coming back because Earth doesn't have its greatest defenders group ever now. See, I think about it a little bit differently. I, I, I completely understand what you're saying, and I don't even necessarily completely disagree. Um, but I think what that meant in in Endgame when when Steve Rogers says Avengers assemble. I think that was the point where the Avengers wasn't six people anymore. Mm-hmm. They're all the Avengers now. Mm-hmm. I think every single hero that lined up to fight Thanos, they're all the Avengers. So for to me, us, I, yeah, to us, I agree. Right. They're, even if they're not listed as the Avengers, I think every single one of them share everybody from Spider Man to war machine to captain america sam wilson's captain america um to bucky to dr strange to spider you know every single one of them i think they and a common theme that we're going to see throughout um phases four and five is how do you live up to that how do you live up to being an avenger Mm -hmm. um you know and we've already seen that with sam and bucky bucky trying to make his past right and right all of his wrongs and become the person and the hero that he should be sam becoming captain america and really you know realizing the potential in himself and the potential that steve saw in him um you know spider-man in in no way home dealing with this bigger world this multi-dimensional world and trying to figure that out uh, you know, and if if our original prediction and what we reported on in episode number two, um, 18 episodes ago, holy shit, uh, if that was correct, and this is really the conclusion of the teenage years Spider-Man, this, you know, for all of our heroes, this is going to be a really big growing point for them mm-hmm. because they're not just the iron patriot or they're not just spider-man or they're not just dr strange they're not just captain america anymore they're all the avengers so they have to live up to that so that's kind of how i that's that's how i think about it in my own head um so i i i'm i'm very intrigued and i'm very excited to see what the future is again i i'm I don't even know if I want to say I'm cautiously optimistic. I, I am oft- optimistic. I, I think they'll find a way and I think they'll find a way to do it really well. I just hope that we don't fall into DC syndrome mm-hmm. where they're pulling characters that nobody cares about and that nobody's ever heard of. 
and it doesn't make any sense. And I'm, that's yeah. not to say it won't be great. I think it'll be great, but I'm not going to lie to you. I had never heard of Shang-Chi before it was announced. I hadn't. So that's, Yeah, because I would say you were, uh, you, you were pretty much inducted with the MCU as for some, a good well, majority of us that were like, you know, I don't even, I, I don't think I would, readers. I don't think that I would say I was inducted with the MCU. I think, I think you and I both were Marvel fans long before the MCU ever even existed. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I just, he, he was a character that never, he was never on my radar. I was a Hulk guy. I was a Spider-Man guy. I was a Wolverine mm-hmm. guy, Iron Man, Captain America, you know, your, your main Marvel go-tos, Elektra, Daredevil, Venom. I mean, they, they were the characters that I was really, really into growing up. So I, I, I you know, I don't know. I just, I never got into Shang-Chi and uh, even the Guardians of the Galaxy. And I think we're not alone in, in saying that I wasn't real. I knew who the Guardians of the Galaxy were but I wasn't really into the guardians of the galaxy before the MCU. And mm-hmm. that's, that's one of the things, you know, we, we criticize it, but that's, I think one of the things that Disney and Marvel do the best is they take these side characters that nobody even really knows or pays attention to. And they bring them into the limelight and they make them the star of the show. Mm-hmm. So uh, again, we criticize it, but I think it was really, really, you know, it's, it's been great so far. And I think they have the potential to continue and make phases four, five, and six even better than what we've seen before. I think yes. the potential is there. It's mm-hmm. just how they go about it. And you know, again, we're not the writers. We're not. I'm not. We're not Kevin Feige. We don't know. You know, we we don't know what their greater plan is. But I'm very excited to see where it goes. Same. So overall, so, yeah. the Falcon, the Winter Soldier. I should I should say Captain America and the Winter Soldier since we're really Captain America and the White Wolf because he's not the Winter Soldier anymore. He's not. He I think I think Bucky has evolved past the Winter Soldier. Would you agree? I agree. I think he's just Bucky now. I mean, he is. I I, yeah. I think he is. I think he's lived up to that White Wolf. He's he's going to do the right thing mm-hmm. every time. Yeah. Um, what's your overall rating for the show? Overall rating. I would give it a mm, either 8.5 or a 9 out of 10. I think I'm going to go an, an 8.5. I think that yeah. I think that falls really really well. It's one of the better it was better than WandaVision and I think it's some of the greatest story arcs in the entire MCU. Yep. Uh I, I it makes me very excited and it lays seeds for things that will come up for Zemo, for Sharon Carter, for the Flag Smashers and that whole blip movement of all these displaced people, all these people that came back after the Hulk snapped. Um, It also sets up what we're going to see with Sam and Bucky moving forward. I think I'm going to give it an 8.5 because it sets up things so well and it just Mm -hmm. sets up what's to come. So I just think I give it, I would give it an 8.5 overall because i because overall i like the it's just such great storytelling that they were doing mm-hmm. disney took a big did risk. you just see that yeah i definitely just good spilled job. water out of my mouth good job my man but disney definitely took a big risk with these tv shows they really they did. did they but really did they're knocking it out of the park and it's coming to this i have this thought thinking 
are they better off doing TV shows or series? Because let's be honest, there is so much more in-depth storytelling with that's a hot take the Falcon and the Winter Soldier. And just how many how many episodes was it? Six? Six. Six episodes. And they did a lot more storytelling than they did in any movie so far. Well, you have more time. Yeah, yeah, more time. Exactly. So it's like, what do we want? Do we want just one? Do we want a two-hour spectacle and wait another year? Or do we want these series that pretty much have more storytelling and more uh, more time to watch? You know what I mean? I think there's room for both. I really do. Maybe. I th- I think they're smart. I, I mean, I was one of the people when I saw that they were doing TV shows, I was like, uh, I was like, why don't yeah. do that? Before, Just stick to movies. Before we were very pessimistic about TV shows. Cause you but remember, then you watch it and it's like, mm-hmm. oh, I get it. Like they're yeah. just, they're, they're using this to expand on mm-hmm. what they've already done. Mm-hmm. And I think if they continue to do that, if the movies are still the main the main deal and the tv shows fill in all the gaps and build the world up so that you can use those same concepts and characters and themes in the movies um but you're just kind of filling in the gaps i think that's really really smart and i hope that they continue to do that i I genuinely do and i i'm i'm very optimistic for the future of the mcu so i really am Mm -hmm. um speaking of the future of the mcu let's talk loki a little bit um loki premieres again uh, um in five weeks it premieres on june 11th is when the first episode drops it will be in six episodes so it'll be six 45 ish minute episodes the same as the falcon and the winter soldier um what are your your expectations or your predictions or even what do you want to see out of loki because i think loki is going to be a much different series than we saw in wandavision or in falcon and the winter soldier because it's the first disney show or i'm sorry the first mcu series show to take place not on earth it's out in space it's out in different dimensions it's going to be Mm -hmm. you know kind of tackling different things so what are your expectations going into loki awesome man i have no fucking clue that's fair. I have none. I have none. That's fair. If because like if you think about it, there's I have no idea what to expect with this because I mean Yeah, I like I don't know what Loki's uh, goal is right now in the whole span of this cinematic world cuz like this isn't the Loki we all know. It isn't. This is uh Avengers Loki, 2012 Avengers Loki. Yeah. And Back then, we only knew him as Conqueror, like wanting to have his face, you know, plastered all over the all over the world. To, yeah, that's fair. That's to, fair. Uh, uh, praise him, and it'd be interesting because we're gonna we're gonna see Loki like grow more as a character, but it's gonna be in a different way because we've already seen Loki grow and have this whole like redemption arc. It will be different. But now it's Avengers 2012 Loki who hasn't learned all these things. So it'd be interesting to see. Like, I don't know what's to come from this. This is probably the most wacky one we've seen so far. Honestly, you know I mean? yeah, I, I completely understand. And, and I agree with you. I'm kind of expecting a little bit of wackiness. 
I'm mm-hmm. hoping for a little bit of wackiness. I hope that this is not. I I, I want to see Loki being Loki. To be completely honest, I really mm. do. Um, you know, I I think there's room for a little bit of lightheartedness and a little bit of you know where Marvel they what they do so well is they drive the story forward, like they're constantly driving the narrative forward. And I think this series in particular, because Loki is the god of mischief, I think this series in particular has, um, it has room for a little bit of fun and a little bit of mm. like, I, I just want to take some time and I want to see Loki being Loki. Just like the first few episodes of WandaVision, we just kind of got to see Wanda and Vision being a married couple hanging out at home. Yeah. Um, and yes, there were little seeds of things thrown in. Um, and I do want to see little seeds of things thrown in. And of course, Loki, it's going to move towards a bigger storyline. They have a purpose for doing a Loki series. Um, but I just kind of want to see him getting into mischief as he is the god of mischief and getting mm-hmm. into just screwing people over and, you know, being stupid. Um, you know, I, something that I, I, I dove into because in the trailer for Loki, we saw Owen Wilson. Um, in, in the elevator with him and I he I looked up the TVA because I didn't honestly I didn't know what it was and the TVA is the time variance authority and the time variance authority claims responsibility for monitoring the multiverse um, and they take action to prevent other beings from affecting the past or affecting the future so hopefully that's what Loki's going to be up to. I don't know if Loki is going to go back in time to try to make him the Shatari win in the first Avengers film. I don't know if Loki is going to go back in time to try to be what Thor was. I don't know. But again, we're talking about the multiverse. We have Doctor Strange in the multiverse of madness. We have the Spider-Verse. You know, it's very clear that Marvel is building towards the multiverse. Mm. Um, And I think Loki is going to lay some seeds for that. So I'm very curious to see how the time variance authority plays into things. Um, I I, Do you think that that could have any effect on Spider-Man No Way Home and Doctor Strange of the Multiverse of Madness? Probably. I think it probably will. I think think it'll have more implications. Or else uh... it would feel weird. Yeah, I think it would have more implications with Doctor Strange and the multiverse. Probably, madness. yes. And um, I, would agree. I keep, I keep thinking that I keep thinking that Spider Man No Way Home is going to have hints of the multiverse, but it's not going to be the full picture. That's what I'm kind of thinking of. Like what Loki does is going to affect Doctor Strange and the multiverse of madness. Right. I don't think it'll have any. Excuse me. I'm yawning. I don't know why. It's late. That's why. Um, I, I don't think the the events of Loki will have any direct correlation to the events of No Way Home, but I think mm-hmm. it'll kind of hint at themes that we'll get in No Way Home. Um, the other thing, and that I I'm kind of hoping for, and we've had little. There were a couple of little Easter eggs in the trailer for Loki. Is Kang the Conqueror? Um, I believe there was a statue of Kang in one of the Loki trailers. He is confirmed to be a villain in Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania. Mm. Uh, so I, 
would you like to see Kang? Kind I of like to uh, see hints. Yeah, I, I, like I would like him. to see hints of Kang, even maybe in the same way in a post-credit scene for Loki, in the same way that we saw Thanos at the end of the Avengers and at the end of Age of Ultron, where you just kind of see a glimpse of him. You don't really get like a whole Thanos. It's just like you get little glimpse. I would like to see a little glimpse of Kang the Conqueror thrown in there. I think that'd be yeah, because Kang is like he's like the villain of the multiverse, pretty much, if I'm not mistaken, because he's yeah. someone that's been he's a time traveler he does all this he stuff is, he's a time that's why traveler. he knows that's how he knows how to that's why he's known to be like a strategic uh person like that so it'd be interesting to see how it goes yeah we'd love to see kang the conqueror in it it's just there's just so much that i don't, I don't know about this TV right show. that's why that's why i'm going in it blind pretty much yeah and I, i'm okay with that i'm kind of i'm okay going in blind and not really knowing what to expect mm-hmm. um it'll it'll be a fun one to watch uh, I think it's really interesting that Kang is going to be in quantum mania because, you know, obviously we know the quantum realm has time travel effects because of what they did in end in Endgame. They went back mm-hmm. in time to go and do that. So obviously Kang is going to have a, a role in quantum mania. And I think we're going to get to see Kang a little, hopefully we'll get to see Kang a little bit in, um, in Loki with the whole multiverse idea and things like that. So yeah um i I am i'm very excited for loki i think it's going to be a fun one i think it's going to be very unique um and i think it's going to be different than wandavision or the falcon and the winter soldier yeah and i hope so i hope i hope all three of these series are going to be different in their own mind for sure in their own way so we'll just have to see come five weeks to see five weeks man we are counting down but guys that is gonna do it for episode 20 this is 20 weeks of let's talk movies we want to thank you so so much to everyone who has pushed us forward to everyone who has followed us on twitter and instagram and liked our posts shared our posts shared them to your story thank you so much to everybody who has followed us on youtube and subscribed to our channel and left us comments and tried to build this community again that was our main goal is building a community of people who love to watch movies and entertainment and that is what we talk about every single week new episodes of let's talk movies drop on monday evenings at 8 p.m eastern standard time and our other show let's talk movie news drops on friday evenings at 8 p.m where we just talk about the week's movie news it is a movie news specific show again thank you so much leave us a comment and let us know what you thought of the falcon and the winter soldier And what are your predictions for Loki? What are your predictions for the greater MCU moving forward? Be sure to let us know on YouTube or tweet at us at WeTalkTheMovies and let us know. Guys, thank you so, so much. We will talk to you all soon. Peace. Peace.